Welcome back, everybody. It's episode 16, coming at you just a little bit late on Wednesday. You want to tell them why? Well, we had some technical <laughs> problems. You want to tell them why? <laughs> okay, somebody. Be vulnerable. Let's One of the members of our podcasting collective, I'm not going to give you a number to tell you how many of us there are, but one of the members with the responsibility of bringing the laptop charger forgot the laptop charger last time, and the uh, computer may have died midway through the recording and deleted the recording up to that point, and we may have spent so much time chatting before the recording <laughs> that we did not have time to record another episode. These are all possibilities and i just want to say that um this is a great opportunity for us to model this mm. i think is like what are we, what are we modeling one here? could say that this was a mistake you know it was it was you, you didn't do you didn't purposefully do this all right theoretically also, someone's saying this is a mistake then all theory then what and i just want our listeners to know that i it has not changed my opinion of rob mm. he is still a hundred percent worthy 100% someone I love, my best friend, my mm. co-creator. I still trust him with the responsibilities of what it takes to make this podcast. Um, everybody make mistakes. Everybody make mistakes. And uh, everybody fine. <laughs> so I just, I love you. And I don't give two fucks. And if people are upset that we're out a couple, you know, a few hours late, then you know, I encourage them to look at where could they have more compassion for mistakes in their own life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. you. Uh, yeah, thank you. I love yeah. you, too. Generally, I'd like to keep them coming at the same totally. time, same point totally. of the week. But I'm not, we get that I'm not beating myself up about this. This is fine. <laughs> it's all fine. Yeah. I remember yeah. death. I remember how we're all, all this is going to disappear in the blink of a giant's eye. Yeah. And uh, so what? But I bet that when the eye is that big, it actually takes longer for the lid to go all the way down. Because it's, it's if you imagine... From our perspective. If you, yeah. Well, if you imagine that the, the eye is like the size of a planet, for the lid to close over that, wouldn't you think it would take a little more time than like, let's say, a newt blinking? Sure. I think so. Great. Thanks for delving into that. The, um, <laughs> yeah, all, anim- all mammals take about the same amount of time to pee, which is very interesting. <laughs> That a mouse. Is it? A, no, it is. It is. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, because think about the difference between a mouse and an elephant. And like the and musculature. That they both em- empty their bladders in yeah. around 30 seconds. That that's like standard across mammals. Means that the amount of output from an elephant is much wider right. than right. that of a mouse. So yes, the the I would imagine that. So the bladder is more full. There's more liquid in there, yeah. but the release comes from a wider. Spout. Yes. And maybe the, there's musculature that pushes it out faster. Yes. Or proportionate to its yeah. size and I would say all other of that. structure uh, anatomically. Yeah. I've peed for a minute and six seconds. I was going to ask what your longest runtime was. I've peed for a minute and a six minute seconds. And six seconds. Yeah. It's pretty long. Yeah. I wasn't holding back during that time. I was just. Oh, yeah. I mean, let it, it go. Yeah. Let it go. So. Yeah. I think mine is over a minute too. Did and you time I it? usually get to a point. I didn't time it exactly. You gotta but time it. I all right. Well, next time I will. I feel like girls pee a lot faster. Faster. Mm-hmm. I was listening to an ex of mine pee 
and it was like a water balloon popped and then just all of the just just like dumping yeah. out a bucket and it was done and I was like holy crap how do you do that I've had an ex make fun of me for the way that my piece sounds What's it sound like like a water balloon just popped and no, fell into the toilet No it was That's a great analogy I believe the word squeegee was used mm. and I was like huh not overly flattering but thank you for your feedback <laughs> How would you how would your ideal man ideally describe the sound of your peeing if you were putting it in a love poem or something. Oh, yes. Uh, like the trickling out of wasted truths. <laughs> wasted truths? <laughs> I have truths. no fucking clue. I have no mm. clue. It's just a first, just a first draft. Okay. Something that implies that I'm this flowing being that is majestic in some way, has, has lots of wisdom, lots of, you know, it's, it's the outpouring of, the remnants of what it takes to run this well-oiled machine. You run on truth. And I run on truth. that are wasted. I eat truth cereal. Yeah. What if you called it lost sweat? Sure. But that's, I mean, I don't. Isn't. What it, if? Is yeah, sure. Because if you had sweat it, it wouldn't have come out. Right, exactly. There. Yeah, I get it. But maybe some of it. It would have come out browner. That's disgusting. What color was the pee you just peed? Yellow. Oh. More importantly, it was asparagusy. Oh, we just had us some asparagus. I'm one of those people that has a gene where you can't smell it, or doesn't but, have the gene where you can smell it, or whatever. Right, it is. but do you make it? Have you had anyone else test it? I have no idea. Oh, you got to have me test it. Okay, next time you can smell my pee. Great. We'll make a date, and you can time it and smell it. Just do <laughs> for it before me. you go. Just pee before you go. I'm sure you're gonna have to. Oh, you mean here yeah. when I get done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, After sure, this sure, podcast. sure. Yeah. Okay. You want to stop the podcast right now and do this? I'm sure everybody's on the edge of their seats listening. You know what I kind of do want to stop the podcast to do <laughs> is drink are. more water because I'm kind of thirsty and then that will ensure no, that I have to pee. Is, Just hand it to me. Oh, because you're sick. Oh. I have a, a slight tickle in my throat. All right. Well, I guess I'll just, uh, oh, my water bottle's over there. I can see it. Should I get up and go get it? Mm. Okay. Sure, go for it. Be right back. But make sure you're wearing headphones and they come off. Oh, I, I'm aware. <laughs> I'll, um... I'll kill the dead air while she's gone. Um, well, she's just about back, so I guess <laughs> I, I didn't really have to come up with anything too compelling. Still but um, thank God I could never run this podcast by myself. That, Aww, that that's twenty sweet. seconds was Murder. the loneliest of my life. <laughs> wow. How will I, yeah? How would I ever put on something all alone? Oh my God. I don't know. Okay. Well, you're back. Well, uh, you did you, just do a one-man hour-long show. I know. I was setting you up for that. Oh, okay. So Rob has a one-man hour-long rap comedy musical. Yeah, it's called One Hump Heart. It's a solo comedy rap musical um, in and which I amazing. date myself from the future. From the future. There's 10 original songs. It's uh, pretty entertaining. Um, so as someone who's seen it three times, it's incredible. Wow. And I cannot wait for the soundtrack to come out because yeah, yeah, yeah. the songs are so catchy. Oh, yeah. And... It's very in the spirit of this podcast, so Good. maybe we could cross promote a little bit. Totally use the uh, make our podcast picture the album art for the thing. Just confuse people. <laughs> just I don't think that's cross promoting. That's just like being confusing. <laughs> just flippity flopping. Okay. Um, we can think about the audience share, and then we can, um, and then we can make it my EP cover randomly. Yeah. Swap it out. Yeah. Cool. Great. All right. Um, you want to get to the questions? Do you have any advice that you want guidance on from me this week? Okay, yeah. I'm going to go visit uh, 
Pacifica University tomorrow at their open house just to check it out. I'm not sold on going to grad school. Yeah. Um, I just heard about it because I was looking for a therapist a while back. And one of the guys was a hypnotherapist mm-hmm. who studied there. Yeah. And I was like, oh, interesting. They have some like alternative psychology and therapy programs here. And yeah. it's like an hour and a half cool. away. Um, oh, really? It's that it's, far away? It's in Santa Barbara. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's a beautiful area. Uh, would be something that I could potentially commute or live near LA still, mm-hmm. like not give up my whole community here. Yeah. Um, What's the program called? Do you know what the, the name of it is? They have like a bunch of different programs. I don't okay. know which I'm specifically looking at. Okay. What should I do to prepare or in the moment, what should I look at? How should I evaluate it? What are some things that I might not know are important that you find out only from being in grad school? It's also just a grad school. It's not a, there's no undergrad program there. Um, so I went to grad school at the School of Visual Arts in New York, and yeah. uh, they do have undergrad, but our pro- my program was very small. It was in art therapy, and it was very disconnected from both the undergraduate program and the other grad programs because they okay. weren't fine arts, which most of the other programs were. Um, and I feel like your experience maybe would be, maybe, hopefully, would be a little more integrated. You should see how integrated um, the different therapeutic programs are and, okay. and how much are you plugged into like the network and the alumni and stuff, because those things can be really helpful once you graduate. Um, in considering grad school in general, I would think about, you know, what are you hoping to get out of it? What are the things that you don't think that you could train yourself in? Because it is a huge commitment, time, energy, um, all of financial, obviously. Um, and you know, it is a big disruption to your regular life. Sure. Um, I was, when I was in grad school, it was a two year program and I was like drowning and only doing that one thing and specifically learning how to be a therapist. A lot of that work, although it's work that you've already done is, thank you, is self-investigation and dealing with a lot of your uh, patterns. That all being said, I've been in and out of therapy for, had been for, you know, almost a decade when I started grad school and it still was all consuming and very energetically and emotionally taxing. Um, you know, cause you add homework on top of that. You add going to class, you add peer connections, you add uh, internship. I don't know if you have that sure. um, practicum, whatever it is. And it's just a lot. And it will take a lot away from the things that you consider important in your life right now. Okay. Um, all that being said, it was the most valuable thing I've ever done for myself. The train. I even said, you know, if I, even if I never am an art therapist, which basically I'm not, um, this will still be the most valuable educational training mm. I've ever received, and I believe that through and through. Mm. Um, and so, I think that you know, knowing some of those more practical considerations, go in there and feel it, feel it with your heart, feel it with your gut and see if you can see yourself there and see if the people that are there and the people that have gone down the path that you're considering, where have they ended up? What are their, what is their advice for you? Just like you asked me. Um, The other thing that I wasn't prepared for, which probably would apply to you is look into credentialing and licensure and where can you practice what additional things are required to um, actually start working as these types of professionals. Cause I think that was a lot in the clouds for me. Is that school dependent or state dependent? Um, For 
probably state dependent. I mean, I think okay. if you're going to a school in California, you'll be all good to go about yeah. practicing in California. But I went to school in New York, and so it was a whole right. big fucking mess. I don't intend to leave California. Cool. Anytime soon. Yeah, but still look into like what is the experience of being like your first year out of grad school because yeah. a lot like a lot of us felt a little bit like whoa we really weren't given as much information as we could have been or should have been to prepare for that experience. Yeah. Um, because it is really hard and a lot of people burn out. Um, and, you know, depending on what kind of experiences you still need to have in order to finish out your like clinical experience for licensure or whatever it is, um, you know, you, you could be working jobs that are very, um, difficult and then still need to kind of like recover after going to grad school. Sure. So those are all my, the things I would tell you having been. Okay. Thank yeah. you. You're welcome. All right. Um, you ready to move on to. Oh yeah. The question. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, except, you know, should we wait for all of our listeners who are right, taking diligent notes on <laughs> going to grad school to be therapists in California? All right. Guys, put your pencils down. We're about to go into the question. But uh, good work <laughs> using pencil. All right. Today's question comes from Reddit user 19throwaway79. Okay. I just broke up with my boyfriend of two plus years a week ago. Mm, Is it too soon to casually swipe on Tinder? It was a good breakup and a long time coming, so I had months to adjust to the idea. Mm. But I'm definitely not 100% over it. Sure. I'm not looking to get into any relationship anytime soon. Oh, yeah. But... I just thought that meeting new people might help with my moving on rather than just wallowing in my sadness. Is it disrespectful at this time frame? Haven't had a real breakup in a really long time, so I don't know the protocol. I love this question so much. Great. Um, having been through many breakups and cycles of going back onto online dating um, and then getting into new relationships, I feel extremely equipped to address it and I'm excited to. Um, Good. Should I just jump right in? Or do you, you have any softball. thoughts? I have plenty of thoughts, but go ahead. You want me to go? Okay. Yeah. So um, I went through a breakup uh, two months ago, almost exactly. Um, and let's see, what did I do in this iteration? I waited a little bit, but did you feel about like getting on time. Tinder? What's why, up? Did you feel like getting on Tinder? When did you feel like getting on Tinder? Um, pro yeah, probably about a week or two after. Um, breaking up because I think there is that there's definitely that that period of just absolute immediate um, crisis healing and wound that needs to get resolved a little bit where you're just like insularly sad um, and you know like you said uh, throw away that you've had time to sort of be mentally and emotionally pulling out of the relationship and, and disconnecting from this person. Mm -hmm. And so your grieving process, your healing process probably started quite a bit before the actual relationship ended. Um, so I, I overall don't think that you need to have any guilt um, about, there is no right answer about this. I would say everyone is different. Everyone's healing process and grieving process looks completely different. I don't think you need to worry about disrespecting uh, your ex-partner. I don't think you need to worry about, you know, as long as you take certain precautions, which I'll describe, uh, I don't think you need to worry about disrespecting prospective dates. 
Um, I think my biggest concern or, or caveat that I would ask you to tread carefully on is being respectful of yourself and the process that needs to happen uh, to mourn that relationship and make sure you're not um, totally uh, immersing yourself in dating other people without really being conscious of uh, thinking about what you have lost from the old relationship. Does that make yeah. sense? Can I jump on that? Please. Um, 19 throwaway 79 says here that they thought meeting new people might help with moving on rather mm -hmm. than just wallowing the sadness. Mm -hmm. I do agree with that. Mm -hmm. um, I also think that re-meeting the people who are also in your life already as a single person doesn't mean that you have to date them, but just that perhaps you have more emotional energy or there are needs that were met <clears throat> by your partner that uh, you could, like say you used to vent about your boss to your boyfriend Maybe one of your friends would be really receptive to hearing about that or is going through a similar situation. Might even be better than your boyfriend, but you just had fallen into a routine of yeah. having that conversation with your boyfriend all the time. So re-examine the people you already have relationships with. Um, I do think that it's good to be meeting new people rather than isolating if you feel up to it. You yeah. seem to feel up to it. Um, just be wary of trying to shove someone into the slot that you had created for this ex-boyfriend of like, yeah. if you're dating again, it may be easy to fall into the routine of quickly treating that person exactly like your ex because that's comfortable. And I think that that is doing a disservice to this new person that you meet and creating a new um, role for that person given their strengths and weaknesses and compatibilities and incompatibilities with you. Yeah, I actually have sort of parallel or, or maybe perpendicular advice as okay. well. Um, which from is, a 90 degree angle. Yes. <laughs> Neither acute nor obtuse. <laughs> um, yeah. So the other thing that I often do, and I yeah. don't think that this is necessarily a bad thing, but it's just something to be mindful of similarly is, you know, not necessarily going too far on the other side of the spectrum because um, often I end up dating people that are directly a reaction to like what I saw as kind of like a primary flaw of my ex-partner where I'm like, uh, oh, they were really shy. So now I go for someone who's super, super outgoing, like, which Like what Joe fun. Rogan said America did after Barack Obama. <laughs> <laughs> the complete opposite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's okay to do that. You know, it's okay to be attracted to and want to fill that void that probably was there pre-dating um, that person that you're now more aware of where you're like, oh, like maybe this person was too, um, you know, used humor as a defense mechanism. And then you go for someone who's a little more serious. And then mm -hmm. you kind of are like, oh, well, actually, like this, yeah, I want to still laugh. Um, so, you know, that's something that I always find myself doing, kind of like swinging back and forth on those yeah. different variables. Um, I think it's a sign of something good, though, and that you are learning from the relationship's failings or incompatibilities oh, yeah. that like, it's something you can turn this sadness or sorrow into a productive is what were the things that didn't work for you about this person? What would you like to be different in the next person that you date? If, yeah. if you're stuck, a lot of people get stuck dating the same person type over and over again oh, yeah. and never recognizing like, oh, I keep going for people who belittle me because it's comfortable. It reminds me of how my parents treated me or something like Are that. Are you talking about me? Nope, not at all. Yeah. I'm really not. Because <laughs> uh, he <laughs> could that. be. Um, yeah, so 
I guess the only, the, the danger I would want to point out is just, is not being conscious of that process. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's important, like Rob said, to be aware of and sort of do a, a diagnostic on your old relationship, uh, and be aware of the things that went well about it. I, I, sometimes right after a relationship ends, it can be really hard to not only sit with the void, but to sit with the things that were good and to appreciate yeah. and have gratitude for the ways that your partner and you had a successful relationship right. and that your dynamic, uh, was, uh, enjoyable or meaningful. And so, being mindful about those things can help you to not way overcorrect, overcorrect. Cause I've done it to a dangerous extent where like, let's, okay. So my very first boyfriend, um, he, like how you said boyfriend. What? My, friend. <laughs> my very first boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. Um, was not particularly sexually aggressive mm-hmm. or assertive. So the next person I went to, who was also only the second person I ever had sex with, I went, right towards because he pursued me quite aggressively. Um, And, you know, I don't like to think that I have a bunch of like regrets about that because everything is kind of valuable information. However, when I look back on that, I don't feel like that was the best choice I could have made, especially in that dimension. Um, You know, because that it's, it's easy to see how that could, anything can be too much you know, too far. Why was it not a good choice in your mind? Um, I was very susceptible to being pressured into having sex and, and being too wide eyed about like, Ooh, this person's interested in me and pursuing me. And now my sort of sexual floodgates are open because I've not, I'm not a virgin anymore. Um, so, you know, it just, it, it can leave you uh, vulnerable to being sort of taken advantage of or, or, you know, some sort of lower vibrational part of yourself being, um, you know, g- g- meeting someone else's lower vibrational mm-hmm. self. And then, you know, I look back on that series of dates or sexual encounters with that person and I'm just like, what in the goddamn hell was I doing? Do you wish that he had stepped in and like had behaved differently and been more... Uh, doubtful of your ability to evaluate the, the, the situation fairly. This is a problem that I've run into is like, mm-hmm. do you just accept consent outright from somebody or is there a line where it becomes patronizing? If you're saying, I don't think you really know what you're agreeing to. You don't actually want me. You're like, you don't know what's good for you. I'm going to tell you that we're not going to do it because I know what's best and you're not emotionally mature enough to tell. Well, the way you just said that was you started off not super patronizing right. and then you really both. slippery I'm trying slope. to give both. Uh, yeah. So, like the, that totally. could be overdoing it, but I, I'd this, rather err in that direction sure. than oh, sure. be somebody's regret, I suppose. How do you wish yeah. that he would behave? I mean, listen, we were 20, 21. And so neither of us were capable of doing anything along the lines of what you're saying. Okay. And I think that, you know, my, my ex before him had been so sweet and careful and conscientious Mm -hmm. that I was just like, let's, you know, let's do date someone totally fucking reckless. And I've had, I've gone through that cycle again later in life. Mm -hmm. Um, which again, I don't think, I think that time I did it differently a little bit better, but I do, I do tend to swing from sort of like the good boy, the safe choice to like the bad boy, the Mm -hmm. less safe choice. Um, and I think having compassion for yourself that like, yeah, maybe you do want to like, 
branch out a little bit more in a different direction and you want to kind of uh, react against or act out slightly, and that's okay. Um, I'm merely stating with my cautionary tale, just be mindful. When of, is it not okay? What? When is, when is acting out destructive or too much? Well, only you can know. Um, I have, I actually had a situation recently where, you know, I didn't, I don't think that I did anything wrong, but I recognized that based on the way that I'm trying to see myself and the boundaries I'm trying to develop between myself and really anyone, but primarily romantic partners were compromised a little bit. I, I, I recognized that I knew better. And while I am, I'm, I'm thankful that I knew better. Um, but you know, not, and not every time we know better, we're actually capable of acting upon that better knowledge. But now having had that experience and knowing, feeling in my gut and my heart really that I compromised myself a little more than I would have liked to, as long as I'm doing that consciously, I'm not as likely to repeat that behavior again. And I'll tell you the, the, um, the sign that I knew that I'd compromised myself mm-hmm. was the next day I felt like garbage. Mm-hmm. And there's just, when you align with that sort of can lower you, self-worth. Uh, can you describe the garbage feeling? Um, oh yeah, of course. Um, some of it is related to um, having had a couple drinks and that always makes me feel like garbage. So there's that physical, a little bit of a hangover. So you have a little bit of a physical hangover. Maybe, maybe you have a little bit of a moral hangover and it's sort of like a grossness in your stomach, um, maybe a heaviness or like kind of a lump in your throat. And for me, I definitely felt like my own kind of self-worth was compromised. I didn't act in accordance with how much I aspire to value myself and um, what I think that my idea, ideal partner would, you know, uh, regard me. I, I allowed myself to give something away more cheaply, not monetarily, of course, than I, than I would have preferred. Uh, I still had fun. It was still fine. You know, I wasn't raped. Like it was just, Oh, you know what? I recognize that this wasn't quite in accordance with my best values, but sometimes you have to cross that line to know where it is. And so don't be so terrified of erring slightly. Do you think that there are some people who the majority of their sexual experiences are somebody's finding the line and being like, oh, okay, I don't want to do that again. (laughs) Somebody's lesson of Uh like what they're not into. Uh huh. What do you think that's like for them? If, if, if someone's aware that that's the case. Do you think most of the people who have that as a majority of their experiences don't know that people are uh, recalibrating after having sex with them and then being like, okay, yeah, I need to start respecting myself more? Mm, yeah, that's a really interesting question. I'm trying to think if I ever feel like I was that to someone. Mm-hmm. Probably. I mean, I've definitely dated or hooked up with people that, you know, both of us were aware that they weren't their best selves. And I know that I've been there as mm-hmm. well. Um, I think the, the amount of contact afterwards is a pretty good indication. Sure. But that could be unrelated to, of course. Oh, of course. Could be like, of course. Know, another relationship was rekindled or somebody came back into their life or something else took priority that yeah. they had to deal with that. I, I um, met a guy online uh, when I, back when I was living in New York a few years ago and I was like, good Lord, this is one of the hottest guys I've ever seen in my life. Um, 
And, you know, we seemed relatively compatible, whatever. We went out. Um, we had fun. We had drinks. I think he, I think it was that night that he came back to my place and he, we had sex, not good sex. And then, which none of, no judgment on any of these things other than to say that I don't think he made a choice that was super aligned with his best self because he then started to cry and like tell me all these really vulnerable things about how confused he was about his life and Mm. you know how he's not in a good place and you know then I was kind of like comforting him and yeah we 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 talked a little bit again and then he kind of like blew me off um and so I was like ding 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 like this was not this person's best decision Mm -hmm. clearly I, I don't think it had anything to do with me um but I think he was trying to use sex or dating or validation from the opposite sex um, in a, instead of addressing a root issue, which was that he didn't know what he wanted to do with his life and he was feeling lost and confused and my pussy did not have the answer for that. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is totally fine. Like, no hard feelings. But um, that's a pretty damn good indication. <laughs> yeah. If you have sex with someone and you have some kind of release like that, and then you are just like a pile afterwards. That's not often, not, not a good indication either. A pile. Well, I can imagine situations where a person would open up and get very vulnerable and um, then feel insecure about that sure. just because they're not used to it. Sure. But somebody put them particularly at ease and that could still be a good relationship. It's just something that they yeah. are like, oh, I bet I scared them off or came off as needy in that moment. Mm-hmm. And with the right person or at the right Mm -hmm. time in a person's life, Mm -hmm. it might not be a deal breaker or relationship ender. It might breed intimacy. Totally. Uh Totally. Can we steer back to, absolutely. uh, Let's do it. I I still have so much to say. Okay. Um, can, let's talk about, is it disrespectful at this time frame? I want to, um, just advise against the type of thinking that is still putting your ex-partner's feelings before your own needs now that you're broken up. Um, I think you can manage whether this is communicated to them or not. You don't need to like post publicly a picture of your first date with somebody to try like, or you <laughs> know, send it to them. That. <laughs> yeah. Try like it's, it's nice to be aware of their feelings yeah. and consider them, um, to the point of if if you're indifferent, don't like send them that information. But it doesn't mean that you, if you're ready, then you're ready and you're no longer thinking about what is good for them or not. You're thinking about what's good for you. And I think that there should be at this phase of the breakup enough space between you where he wouldn't find out that you were doing this. Like you're not hopefully talking about every night, what are you doing? What are you up to? And having to lie. Um, The... Uh, if you have mutual friends, sure. then I think you could, if you want to talk to one of them about the date, you can say, Hey, I'm not sure that my boyfriend, ex-boyfriend is ready to deal with this, but can I talk to you about this guy that I met mm-hmm. or somebody that I'm considering seeing? Yeah. The other thing, I mean, and you brought up something that I want to just sort of reflect the same point that I was trying to make, um, in my last long diatribe, which is that, you know, if you go on a date you may then find out that you weren't ready to, and that's okay. Like, you know, you may think you're ready. And one of the one of the biggest assets in my mind of these apps is that it allows you to safely explore um, 
varying levels of contact with people. For some people, you just want to look and see what else is out there and, and feel like, okay, I'm taking a proactive step or I'm seeing that there are other attractive people that have X or Y qualities or yeah. I am talking to someone who's interested in me and that's that's the step I needed at this point. And then if you go too far, you just withdraw a little bit and you go, okay, that's that's not quite where I'm at. Yeah. I want a little less than that or I want a little more than that. Right. Um, and I think we should also address the disrespect from the point of view of her perspective dates because that was sort of where oh, my sure. mind went in terms of sure. is it disrespectful? Is it mean to, to go on a date with this person and me having just been out of a relationship right. not sure that right. I'm looking for another relationship? Right. So are plenty of other people. That's, uh-huh. So just communicate that. Yeah. You don't need to communicate that before meeting up in person if you think that that limits your pool yeah. unreasonably. Um if you keep going out on first dates with people and finding that they're not interested because of that, then yeah. you can set that up as a filter, put that on your profile or mention that to people in conversation before you yeah. arrange an in-person meetup. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say to like, think about the different levels where you could reveal it. Like, of course there's the, you could state it right on your profile, right. which is not something that I recommend. I don't really see a lot of people doing that. Um, but if you felt like this is what I need to communicate and I need to communicate it now in order to feel okay about what I'm doing, then great. I'm sure yeah. someone will appreciate that honesty. Um, you can uh, you can bring it up fairly early on in the kind of back and forth you go through within the app or texting before you meet up. Um, you know, maybe it comes up on the first date. Maybe it comes up after the first date. Um, but like Rob's saying, like people are on these apps for all different reasons, and some people aren't even doing what you're doing of examining if they think it's appropriate or disrespectful mm-hmm. or anything. So like we often do on this show is like, congratulations mm-hmm. for actually being willing to examine it, think about it, consider other people's feelings. That's a huge step in the right direction. And I think people really do appreciate honesty and consideration and the ability that you have to take their perspective um, and even wonder and ask yourself, well, how would they feel about it? How would I feel about it being in that situation? What do you think about people uh, talking about their ex on a first date? Describing why they <sighs> broke up or what their frustrations with them were, or even talking about how they miss them? Okay, so I think it's very context dependent. Yeah. I am someone who pretty much is unfiltered, surprise. And so this shit often comes up. As a rule, though, I do try just for myself not to bring it up because we all know how it sounds, how it feels when we're connecting with someone and their focus shifts to like, well, my ex did whatever, whatever the it's this immediate red flag of like, okay, this person's hung up on their ex. And that may not be bad because it may be true. And it may be a red flag that that person should be paying attention to. Um, I think the way that they talk about it is critically important. If they start, going down a road and sharing more and more details and like it's it's clear that it's important for them to get these things out then yeah they're they're hung up on them if they can succinctly like state the story without getting lost in it yeah it's an indication yeah exactly it's neither good nor bad it's an indication of risky thing to bring up yeah um i've had experiences where it's helped me relate to a person Mm -hmm. quickly yeah I just saw a, a musical comedy called uh, Swipe Right the Musical, and the best song of it was called uh, The Story of My Ex. It's like mm-hmm. a Tinder date, and they both oh share God. like what they yeah. disliked about their exes, yeah. and the guy is like, uh, in his musical part talking about how this is 
great. I'll just like validate all of her criticisms of him and talk about, agree with her that he was such a shitty guy and she deserves better. Uh. And that will lead to us having sex because we have this like (laughs) false uh, understanding Uh or this like magnified Uh uh, sense of connection because we both agree what a shitty guy that guy was. And she's (laughs) like interested in just seeing somebody who agrees with her on this to help her get over um, that guy. Yeah. Hey, we both hate Hitler. Let's fuck. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Yeah. The common enemy Mm -hmm. bonding strategy. Um, I would also say that like, if a great time to explore this is if someone else is going through a similar thing and then that opens the door to you guys being on the same level about Mm -hmm. it. But when there's a disproportionate desire to talk about one's respective exes, that's a clue as to like, you know, sometimes just their openness or sometimes it's, they don't want to go there because they know what that means for you. Um, and yeah. most people are unlike Morgan and me in terms of how much they're willing to hear about a person's other partners at any point in their life. Probably, most people yes. are just much more uncomfortable with that. Yeah. Both of us have done work and, and chosen a dating style that requires right. some acceptance of hearing some of that information um, yeah. that a lot of people just want to avoid. You, know, you and somebody else, no thanks, that's my worst nightmare. Like, yeah. don't bring that up at all. Yeah. Yeah. But I think on a, I do think like on a first date, um, you know, it's part of the package of like both of you getting a snapshot of where are each other Mm -hmm. at right now Um, versus, you know, being in a something that's starting to be a relationship. You're repeatedly dating someone and they keep bringing up their ex where it becomes repetitive and sort of a fixation. I That's think always it, advisable to avoid. <laughs> uh, if, if somebody can hang on a first date, I think a good question is, uh, where did you learn what love is and how did that change over time? Ooh. Ooh. One yeah. that I've heard uh, another that's kind of in the same vein is, um, what would you want to do differently from your parents? Ah, that yeah, hits like good. five different, uh, you know, what's their relationship yeah. to their parents? Do they want to have kids? Yeah. What do they f- change? What are yeah. their values? Uh, yeah. I think also a sort of, you know, not so much like a sneaky backdoor way of talking about your ex, but maybe a more productive um, framework is talking about what did you learn about yourself in your last relationship? Mm. Um, Focusing on your half of it rather than, well, my ex did this and he did that. And you know, this was bad and, or, or, you know, or good or whatever it is. It's, it's cause it's really more important about how are you, using the lessons that you learned in that relationship, Mm -hmm. what are you bringing with you into the next one? And, and what areas are you trying to grow in? Um, what were the gaps in communication that you didn't realize about yourself? Um, those are more important reflections. I think when you're starting to be more future oriented and thinking about dating other people rather than being oriented towards this specific part of your past, um, in this other person who, you know, isn't, isn't in your dating life going forward. Right. You're the person that's in your dating life going forward. Right. And along those lines, uh, one of the other pieces of advice that I wanted to hit um, is when you're in this initial phase or really at any phase um, of, of dating or trying to relate to other people, it's never lose as much as you can, never lose the importance of checking in with yourself and sort of dating yourself and keeping in mind the, uh, what are your needs? What do you want out of this relationship? How is your relationship with yourself doing in the background of 
going on these new dates. Yes. Not allowing yourself to get swallowed up or your identity to get swallowed up in all of the newness and the stimulation, because I think that's where you run the risk of not leaving enough room to process the past. Yes. Um, I'd like to summarize the philosophy of Mark Manson's uh, models. I would like to allow you to do that. <laughs> once more. Uh, once again. Yeah. Uh, his theory, the thesis of that book, is that neediness is unattractive. Uh, what's attractive is true confidence. That's expressed through vulnerability and the way that you um, show true confidence or attain it yeah. is by caring more about what you think about yourself than what any other single individual thinks of you. Yeah. So um, that allows you to be vulnerable and share things that a person might reject about you and being comfortable with that rejection um, makes you more attractive to them if they do align with what you're saying, the risky yeah. thing. So for instance, putting it out there that you just went through a breakup for some people, that would be something that they hide for a very long time. And it affects all the other ways that they communicate that oh, this person's coming off as if they need my approval and that's unattractive. Yeah. Um, if we're speaking to a woman, I think that more women uh, can get away with uh, neediness behaviors mm. than men, just as mm -hmm. there are more, uh, their women are more often evaluated on their looks to the exclusion of their personality, well, but yeah. that's mm -hmm. at the initial phase. And I, I yeah. believe that that will come back to balance out eventually. Yeah. So, and I think that there's sort of the assumption of like women need to be cared for and it's almost attractive for a man, more attractive perhaps for a man uh, to see a woman being vulnerable being, because yeah. you get to employ that role of being a caretaker mm -hmm. in a header, in a very heteronormative, um, sense. I'm saying vulnerability is an indication of the opposite of neediness, that this person can okay. handle, like they're being vulnerable right now by sharing sure. some pain, sharing some thing that they dislike about themselves or are insecure about because they're overall secure oh, yeah, with yeah, yeah. themselves and with the idea of you rejecting them. Yeah, yeah. But um, that's attractive in anybody. I guess what I was saying is both vulnerability and neediness, like mm -hmm. on the spectrum of like strong to weak, can be attractive more so to a man than a okay. woman because of those um, maybe biological roles of wanting to be the protector kind of. Sure. Um, the other thing I wanted to say along the lines of uh, the models point is here's a fun exercise to yeah. try if you want to like what? really investigate this. Um, this is something <laughs> I've, I've started becoming aware of recently. Okay. And you can look at it, you can look for it in yourself and you can look for it in other people. And you can do it uh, in a group. And <laughs> what is it? <laughs> bitch, I'm about to tell you. Okay. I like I'm just it when building you call up, bitch, with the, building up, laying the groundwork. Um, uh. So, people who are seeking other people's approval yeah. versus within themselves just behaving the way that they think they should behave, sussing out in a group. Who's looking to who for approval? Mm -hmm. And who do you look for, look to for approval? Are you just being you and not looking around at anyone to see who's looking at you, who's, who else is doing what, what behavior should I model versus, um, you know, just being? Who's doing that? Who's just being? And who is looking at who can reveal a really interesting underlying uh, social hierarchy. Yes. And so you can then notice, are you doing it more or less than other people? 
and recalibrating based on, okay, you know what? I notice that, and, and I do this sometimes when I'm in a situation where I feel a little bit more um, vulnerable, feel mm-hmm. a little more insecure about, well, how do I behave in this situation? Because maybe it's a new social context, or maybe I'm with people that I see as sort of above me or something. I will do more looking for cues versus uh, just being who I am and not caring about what anyone else is doing because right. that signals that you trust your approach. I, I want to apply this specifically to the moment that a, a joke hits. Yes, yes. Uh, Looking at who laughs. Watch, watch where people's eyes go. Yeah. Who do they try to make eye contact with the second after they start to laugh or think that something's funny? Yeah. Usually an ind- is an indication of who they trust shares their perspective the most. Or, if they're the one who gives the joke, they may look most at the person that they want the approval of. Right. I was going to say, so I think it's more about that. People who I think have a more respectable to me sense of humor don't make eye contact with anyone after a joke. They don't <laughs> They don't look at the audience to see if they're getting laughs or not. They're showing their confidence by just continuing right. exactly what they've done. Right. Not looking to everybody. Hey, is anybody laughing? Is anybody, you see somebody <laughs> yeah. look around right after they think they made a zinger. Sometimes <laughs> I'll play that character and look around like, hey, isn't this funny? <laughs> but that's like a joke in itself. I'm mocking yeah. people who do that. Right, right. Um, but I mean, I think it's important to say, like for me in certain contexts, I become the person who's looking for other people's cues. Um, But in a situation where I'm more comfortable and and more confident in, in, you know, I know what the social norms are here, I can just be it and possibly model it healthfully for other people who may be looking for cues. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's just a a fascinating um, little area of exploration for you to do if you're looking for um, insight into am I doing the right thing? Or, you know, actually, you know what, maybe I would be more attractive if I just looked like I looked like I was knew I was doing the right thing. Um, it's, that can be a, you can back into that fake it. So you make it style. Um, anyway, if any of our listeners are, uh, interested in sharing their findings from this type of experiment, I would love to hear about it. Yeah, Write us in at freeadvicepodcast at gmail.com. Um, cause I would love to hear all sorts of accounts of did, this. Did you hear that? A bird chirp? No, it sounds like a rolling thunder in the distance. <gasps> Board up the Stop. windows. It looks like we're getting it. Can you just move just a little bit away from me? Shut the fuck it up. It looks like we're getting ready for the lightning round. Oh my God. He didn't even ask if I had anything else to or did say. Did I have to? Okay. Uh, <laughs> this one comes from SMPDD. Okay. So I'm talking to a girl. So Okay. Sorry. Excuse me. Uh, uh, keyboard malfunction. The erase button on my keyboard doesn't work. So I have to just keep typing. JK, I actually fucked up in reading it. Okay, so I'm taking a girl to drive-in theater, and I don't know how we should sit comfortably. Should we sit in the bed of the truck? What would be the best slash most comfortable way to watch the movie? Oh, so you have a truck with a bed in it. We got a truck with a bed in it. Okay, how fucking cool would it be if you, like, outfitted the bed with, like, all kinds of comfy shit? Like a cheetah print. Like beanbag duvet. chairs. Not bean a cheetah chair. print duvet. Cheetah print duvet. Disco Any other kind of mirror duvet. on the ceiling. <laughs> There's no ceiling in the back of the truck. You hang a canopy with hey, a mirror. <laughs> the giant mirror that could crash on the two of you. Um, well, I think, first of all, very smart to be going to a drive-in with your With your with big your old truck. truck, yeah. Yeah. Get that gate down, lower the gate. Anything to, where you can really spread. I think the most spreading out mm-hmm. that can happen um, everyone will be the most comfortable. And then 
I mean, of course, there is the downside of like it doesn't force you to be in as close of proximity if oh, you're trying sure. to like make a move. But that will probably make her feel more comfortable. Yeah. If there's more open space, and then you guys can come together. Fill it with the, the with the foam blocks that they use at those gymnastic <laughs> studios when you jump into a yeah. fit of you jump into those pits of rectangular cubes of foam. Sure, just I make, think that would actually you, be really uncomfortable. That would be really. Yeah. Would you rather do a ball pit? I'd rather do a bunch of. I'd rather, rather do a bunch of pillows pit. and a bunch like ch- a blanket spitty on the children's balls. You'd rather have loading up the bed of the truck. No. Didn't say that at all. Okay. What I think anything say? that you can like sink into and have to keep shifting and shuffling sand. around is not going to be good. Sand? No sand. No sand. Actually, I, I don't know. I might like sand. I like being on the beach. Sand in trash bags. <laughs> <laughs> this is getting weird and specific and see, makes him seem like a serial killer. <laughs> Lightning round. Next question. <laughs> Dat underscore bog says, I need advice on making a new GT. That's gamer tag for Xbox. Oh. Is Dat's bog up good? If I'm going to spend $10 on a GT, then I want it to be good. I already went to Slash R Gaming. They just started shitposting bad gamer tags in the comments. So, is Dat Boggs Up a good gamer tag? Rob, I'm going to refer this one to you. <laughs> what? I, mean, I don't even know what a gamer tag a is. A gamer tag is like your online identity, your screen your name. That, no, it's your name. It's what people will have to type in to add you to their friends okay, list. Okay, but or, I don't know what this They'll that call means. you that. Dat Bog? Dat Boggs Up. Yeah, Dat's Bog What's Up. What's that mean? I have no idea. I don't think it's a good name. I think if we're both confused, although I don't know if we're the target for this. I would go with something like Bog, 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 if you can. (laughs) Or like Dark Bog. um, Bogged down. The Boggy Man. How about go with that? Oh. That's like a play on the Boogeyman. Got bog in it. You seem to be into the bog Bog-o thing. Stick. <laughs> yeah, bog stick. What, what? I just, I don't understand the origin of the name at all. No, I know what a bog is, but... I don't, maybe swamp moss is spongy, master. Yeah, but bog is where marshman plants live. This nitri- nitrogen deficient marshmallow man. Wet soil. Wet soil. Yeah, wet soil. We recommend wet soil. But then people might read that as wet oil. Let them be confused because they're going to be with the bog. Lightning thing. round. Next question. <laughs> what a weird choice, Rob. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Um, I missed my friend's birthday by three weeks. Should I wish him a happy birthday this late? I want to, but it may seem weird. He's a good online friend of mine. I feel so bad for forgetting it. I think that what you just communicated, you could absolutely say to him and say, you know, you just crossed my mind and I realize it's three weeks after your birthday. Happy belated birthday. Was thinking of you some other genuine expression of what their online friendship means to you. I think it's never too late. It's, you know, anyone's happy to have like yeah. a, a, hey, hey, I was thinking of you, yeah. regardless of what time of year it is. It's better to acknowledge these kinds of things. Totally. Even if the person didn't notice or expect or care totally. about you giving them a happy birthday, if it's something that's bothering you, yeah, just say it. Then it's off of your chest. Then they can tell you, you know, I, I did feel hurt that you'd forgotten, yeah. but thank you for, it, it, this is the, the sure right move in any situation. It. Here's what you should do. Wait one more week just to prove to yourself that it doesn't fucking matter and then <laughs> no. tell him you, oh my God, your birthday was four weeks ago. I, I missed it. I disagree. Do it as soon as, as is convenient, as soon as you talk to them anyway, or however you normally speak, like just bring it up then. Get I'm, it out of the way. If I'm it's totally joking. Okay. The point I was merely trying to make was that, you know, I think your friend will appreciate the gesture no matter when it is calendar wise. 
I don't personally ascribe that much meaning to someone remembering to tell me that it it was the day I was born. Mm -hmm. I'm aware. (laughs) Lightning round. Okay. King (laughs) Alibaba Saluja asks. (laughs) We got royalty in the house tonight. Should we, should we tell dat bog to do Saluja? (laughs) Bog Saluja. Saluja bog. What is Saluja? I have literally no idea. It just sounds really cool. So King Alibaba Saluja says. Saluja saliva. Is relationship chemistry something that just happens or can it be worked on? My best friend slash crush pointed out that our chemistry has been off lately, but said not to worry. We just have to work on it. Is that possible? How can we work on it? We used to have a very strong chemistry, but due to fighting, we parted ways for eight months. We have slowly been working on our friendship, but this has me worried. Anything would be nice. Well, my question is, is the crush mutual? Is the chemistry, is the friend merely talking about the friendship chemistry? Where are we drawing the line here? Yeah, the chemistry could be off because one of you is much more invested than the other. Right. Likely King Alibaba Saluja. <laughs> back if, up, back up, Saluja. One step back. Yeah. <laughs> if they're your crush and they don't see you that way, um, I think it's best to be explicit here. Are the terms you can say, like, is it because I'm romantically interested in you? Or, like, have you noticed that I'm mm-hmm. physically attracted to you? And that's, and how do you feel about that? Yeah. They can tell you whether that's reciprocated or not. And that may be the source of the imbalance that could be saying that your chemistry is off. Chemistry can stand for a lot of different things. It could be that one of you smells bad to the other person. That's a chemical reason that people can use chemistry to talk about smell. It could be the pace of conversation or the types of topics or the frequency with which you contact one another. The general tone. One of you could be more sad and the other one is more happy and jovial and you're used to relating in another way. Chemistry can mean any number of these things, and I think it's best to identify what they're referencing with this. Or ask for specific mm -hmm. moments that you thought the chemistry was off, and then you can uh, figure out the principle from there. Or ask when it was good, and then go from there. Yeah, Yeah, both are important. Yeah, I think a really important ingredient of chemistry that that kind of encapsulates some of what you're talking about, Rob, is like attunement. Mm. Being attuned to the other person and really uh, looking at their verbal and nonverbal cues for when are they inviting you in more and when are they kind of pushing you away Mm -hmm. and paying attention to and tinkering with what you uh, put out there and how they respond and sort of creating a mental catalog. I mean, this is stuff that people do, uh, you know, unconsciously without even thinking about it, but here's a way to, a way to work on the chemistry is to collect that sort of nonverbal catalog of what does this person respond with by moving towards me and giving me a little extra attention? Mm-hmm. And what do they respond with by kind of turning away? Looking at their or, phones. Yes. Seeking yes. somebody else, right? Because all of those things are indications of imagine them just holding their hand up going like, uh, no. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so you, you may be coming on too strong. You may be ignoring them. We don't know where those chemistry uh, fault lines are. What if we gave each other that kind of exaggerated feedback as we were talking? Of like, <laughs> Yeah. I, well, actually, because <laughs> while we're recording, up, yeah. I've kind of thought about doing that a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. Um, Let's try. Well, Let's, yeah. A little yeah. experiment for you and me. Yeah. Well, because there was a moment earlier where I noticed you were talking very fast and I was kind of trying to like slow myself yeah. down. But I didn't want to. I didn't want to put up a big hand and shake, shake my head because no. I didn't want you to think I was Stop. rejecting what you were saying. I think I can handle that. 
Yeah. Okay, so we could have our own little sign language system of like. Or if you just did like a slow mo. Like. Act like you've gone into bullet time in the Matrix. Yeah. And you're dodging the bullets. Yeah, or the like a, you know, finger swirling, wrap it up. The opposite of that. Sure, yeah. Roll your eyes. And oh, my God. Do a <laughs> Suck jerk, a dick. Jerk off thing. Yeah. Yeah. All of these nonverbal cues are valid. I don't think you would take as kindly to that. <laughs> if I were to In the middle that. of my speech. Yeah, if I think you it would throw like you off more than Really me. enthusiastically sucking mm-hmm. an air dick. That yes. would be funny. Okay. Um, I mean, I don't, you would have to tell me ahead of time what that would be attempting to communicate. <laughs> like, shut up. <laughs> Talk about something new, please, for the love of God. <laughs> that. Okay. Or maybe it's when I'm being like overly, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Pandering. Pandering. Just okay, sucking yeah, a huge yeah, dick. Yeah. Like, come on, stop pandering. Okay. We'll work on our, our mm-hmm. code, our symbols for the next episode. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The final lightning round question. <laughs> uh, cheetah dust. Oh, I love there's that. There's a gamer tag worth spending 10 bucks for if, oh. if it's not taken on Xbox Live. Dad yeah. bogs up. All right. Cheetah dust asks, how do I do more besides sleeping and browsing Reddit all day? People say get a hobby, but I don't know which to take up. I'm such a loser. Please recommend some things for me to do. I'm not very fit or athletic. Okay. Um, this is kind of a funny meta thing because the question's coming from Reddit. So he's like, Reddit, tell me how to be off of Reddit. Sure. Um, yeah, I, turn I, this podcast off, <laughs> first of all. First of all, congrats for asking and yes, seeking 100%. help. Recognizing the problem is often the hardest step. We're actually starting to do an activity is also very hard sometimes. I've been stuck on Reddit feeling like I sleep and do Reddit all day for various periods of my life. And I can relate to that. Um, If it's easier, if it's hard to pick a thing, start by making a list of things that you don't like and then look at what don't you like about doing them. So if it's athletic or fit things, you don't like breaking a sweat, you don't like being outside, heavy breathing, any of those things. Okay. Then push yourself in the direction of things that avoid those. I, I, personally recommend exercise as a great mental health yeah. tool. Um, if you don't like doing it, just doing the smallest amount of movement that is a challenge to you is great. I think that people apply for these one size fits all fitness programs and that doesn't work. If it's an inappropriate challenge, it's not going to work well. It's like enrolling a first grader in a college class and being like, <laughs> why aren't you enjoying hearing this comparative literature stuff? And it's like, they need to do C spots run and that'll be an appropriate challenge level for them. That'll be satisfying for them to be able to yeah. write basic sentences. Yeah. Same thing happens with fitness. There are many levels yeah. to this. And so if you're at a basic level, finding like a comfortable, a slightly uncomfortable challenge for you will make you feel good. But yeah. it doesn't need to be fitness at all. Um, right. Just doing something picking something and then collecting your observations. Well, probably you'll meet somebody if it's a social hobby. Um, it's fun. I, I wanted to go in a similar direction. Um, I think that like the two things that you've identified that you want to move away from or devote less time to are sleep and Reddit. And yeah. so where do those things occur? Maybe in, in your bedroom. Yeah, so, bed. okay. So let's do something that's the opposite of that. Get away and from just there. Getting, getting out of that room. Yeah. Um, what is appealing about um, being in a different space? Where can we find mm-hmm. um, some reference to what you enjoy and is slightly comfortable about sleeping or being on Reddit that can be found slightly and then departed from or expanded on um, being in a different environment? Yeah. And, you know, the, the reason that I want to bring up the fitness thing is because um, it's interesting that you bring this up and I don't think that you're bringing it up because you're bringing it up as a parameter of like 
this is not, I can't do anything in this category. I think that perhaps it's something that you're self-conscious about. You're talking about the question asker? I'm talking about the question cheetah asker, dust. cheetah okay. dust. Um, and so to me, yeah. it sounds like this is something that maybe you you wish you had a, a more of a proclivity mm-hmm. toward. So like Rob said, start super, super small and be super excited and celebratory with yourself and proud of yourself for taking one step in that direction. And in this case, it can just be taking one step, leaving that room, walking outside mm-hmm. of your place of residence, just um, maybe even just sitting outside, like on a balcony or a patio or, you know, something that just makes your world a little bit bigger than those things and reconnects you to experiencing the world from a bodily sensory perspective. Cause I think yeah. sleeping and Reddit are both, um, you know, ways of kind of shutting off those more kinetic, more tactile experiences. Mm-hmm. So maybe even instead of starting out with like, go for a jog, have a different outdoor sensory experience. Like, Look at a tree, like literally start by just looking at a tree, watch the way the tree moves, observe something about the tree. What do the leaves look like? What do the branches look like? I what does the draw. air feel like on your face? I think that drawing is a great way of observing and uh-huh. forcing you to see the lines of something rather than what yeah. you expect it to be. And moving from a place of just describing it verbally to expressing it more uh, flexibly, mm-hmm. drawing is a great way to get a little bit creative with it, but it can be a really intimidating practice. So if that's the case, start by going, I'm going to do the worst drawing of this tree I can possibly do and make it a game with yourself. Like how can I do like make this the furthest from what this tree really looks like just to get pencil on paper. Um, And that's something that can be applied to like basically any activity. It's like do the absolute level zero or level one version of that activity. And you will find a way to take joy in comparing yourself to who you were yesterday instead of only compare yourself to you is today yeah 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 so you give yourself permission to suck and to be uncomfortable and to be bored the first time that you do any new activity most things have some kind of a barrier to entry and then they start getting more fun as you see yourself progressing and you take more and more joy in it as you gain proficiency but there is some initial startup cost and that cost mm-hmm. can seem overwhelmingly high and keep you sleeping in on Reddit all the time. So the best thing to do, I think, is to break it down into the smallest possible first step and just commit to doing that. If it's drawing something, it's just getting out a piece of paper and doing a single line of the drawing of the tree. And then as soon as that line is done, you have permission to put it away. Yep. Um, I totally agree. And I think risk-taking in general is goes along those same Mm -hmm. lines of like take small, 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 small risks. And then down the road, you will get more comfortable with taking larger and larger risks, but don't beat yourself up by, you know, for not taking the biggest risk that you can. Right. You have to celebrate the little things that you do, because if you, if you, Take a big, what, what is a big risk at, at, at a certain point when you're never going out of your comfort zone to go out of your comfort zone a little, and then you kind of uh, devalue yourself for like, oh, I was only able to do this, that, and the other, and it wasn't that good, and I shouldn't have never, I should have even tried. Um, you're not very likely to make that attempt again. So I think that, you know, some language that you can use around that, 
what I do to myself is be like, fuck yeah, I cleaned the kitchen. That's fucking awesome. And like, I think about like, hell yeah, like I did it. And you know what? It wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. And now I'm this person that like knows that um, when I want to clean the kitchen, it's a manageable task or literally can be applied to anything, but sort of basically psyching your brain up to think like, yeah, this is going to be super fun. And while you're doing it, like, oh, this is fun. I, I feel the water on my hands. Maybe I kind of like sing or dance while I'm yeah. doing this chore. And then after you do it, you look at the kitchen being clean and you go, oh my God, this feels so good. I feel like I have space in here. I feel like there's room to cook. And that will help you overcome to the kind of physical dependency that can happen when you're doing an activity like being on the internet over right. and over again, right. where you get into a groove with that. And that feels like then the easiest path to take over and over. Yes. And your brain will miss the stimulation that comes from that type of thing for sure. Yeah. So be prepared for that going in. Trying to always avoid discomfort ensures that you'll feel it constantly. A hundred percent. You're 100%. always trying to avoid it in the moment yeah. and it will always be there. Yeah. And so take the thing that's currently uh, pleasurable for you and set that as a reward. Use the pre-MAC principle of pairing a behavior you'd like to start doing um, with one that you uh, already enjoy. So once I draw that tree, I can get on my favorite subreddit and check it for 10 minutes, whatever it is you like to do now. Yeah, I love that. The thing is also you'll find that you enjoy browsing Reddit more once you feel like you've done something that has earned it. It's and better once to you're eat having, dessert later yeah, in the well, meal or unwind and, with friends at the end of a day rather than the beginning of a day. Um, yes. And also you will get more out of it because it will be more novel. It'll mm -hmm. be like, oh, I am enjoying the experience of being on Reddit a little bit because I haven't spent my entire rest of the day yes. on Reddit. I'm not just in this autopilot sinkhole. I'm yeah. choosing consciously the activities that I'm doing and there's variety there and there's stimulating different parts of my brain and body. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That was a heavy storm. Really came down there for a minute, didn't it? <laughs> there was flashing everywhere. Yeah. I had to go inside. Yeah, that was a good lightning round though, I'll say. Yeah. Um, yes. All right, do you have any more announcements or things that you want to um, get into this episode? You know, here's what I want to say. Okay. We really got quick about leaving the original question behind. Okay. Um, and Sorry. no, I mean, you know, look, it's okay. Um, I did have more possibly to say on it and, but to me, it's less about, you know, did we cover all of our bases with it and more about like, I'm always curious in hearing like, what was your motivation to hop away from it so quickly? I think we'd talked about it for long enough. Isn't that a decision that we make collaboratively? Um, we could do it that way. Um, I've been taking it as the question asker's duty. So it's like you'd have a week that you're in charge of pacing and I'd have a week that I'm in charge of pacing. Ah, but I see. I'm happy to negotiate more uh, every week. And then we just treat it as yeah. equal responsibilities. Because let me tell you what it, what it felt like yeah. for me. Um, we're modeling our nonviolent communication. Mm -hmm. It felt to me like, um, you know... It, a disregard for what my opinion would have been on that. Mm. Cause normally we do ask each other what your opinion would have been on whether there was more to mm -hmm. include. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so that's what I'm more focused on parsing now than like, let's go back to the question and cover like two or three imaginary hypothetical points that I may have made. Gotcha. 
Um, okay, well, I suppose I was acting from a place of confidence that I knew what was best for the audience and that yeah. they were ready for new information. Yeah. Um, if If you think that that decreases the quality of your performance or the quality of our product, then... I'm down to uh, not take that leadership executive decision uh, yeah. type of action. The, the reason that I want to question it mm-hmm. is because this is not an isolated incident. I think that we both have different attention spans for things. And I've noticed you've told me in other areas of your life that you often lean towards novelty quite quickly Mm -hmm. um, and get bored with staying in the same subject for longer periods of time. And so part of it also is my desire to question that impulse that perhaps your novelty meter is like, has a lower threshold or a higher threshold. I don't know what I'm saying, but you know, then, then the average person. And I always feel maybe perhaps not, not, not to put a judgment on it, but more or less, um, you know, uh, I always try to think about, are we doing the best job that we can to comprehensively address the, all of the points that the question could potentially, the directions the question could potentially take us and topics that are related. I think that I place a higher value on the interest of the listeners who are not asking the question as there are more of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would listen to a podcast like this, mostly hearing questions that did not directly apply to me, but I like the analysis banter personality of the host. So I'd continue listening. And um, I think for that brevity should be encouraged and like saying the most important points as succinctly as possible is the direction that I'd like to, us to move in. I think I'm also having a feeling response to the abruptness with which you unplugged the topic mm. because I, you know, am, I have a history of being, um, the, the attention being paid to me suddenly being removed. And so I think it to me evokes that kind of, similar response of like, oh, suddenly I'm just not interesting to you. Um, so I, I guess I'm thinking about it from both. I, I'm reacting to it. My response is related to both of those things, of, of my emotional response to that type of interaction. And then also, like, I think maybe we do need a more collaborative, balanced um, decision on do we think we've really exhausted this topic appropriately but i understand where you're coming from in terms of like trying to read the the biggest portion of the audience um but i guess my question is do we think that the judgment that you made is calibrated more toward your interest than theirs i think it's safe to assume that most every audience member is less interested has a shorter attention span than i do even shorter. Yes. I'm, I know you, I know me. All yeah. of this is interesting by virtue of the fact of being in the room together. Yeah. Everybody who's listening to this has a different context yeah. and probably less of a connection to each of us yeah. than we have to each other. Oh, um, for sure. So I'm going by like the 
I don't know if this is an adage or of a entertainment industry wisdom of like mm. you have a music same deal like you have a very short mm-hmm. period of time to capture people's attention. So then, why is and, our podcast over an hour? Well, this is <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just in the line with that philosophy yeah. of like keep yeah. things moving, try to keep things. Here I'm repeating yeah. the brevity line, so I'm going to yeah. cut that and not be redundant. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, are you open to a suggestion of a solution from me for the abrupt part of it? The feeling like it was unplugged your attention immediately. Am I open to, yeah. Would hearing? you like to hear a potential sure, solution? Sure. Of course. Um, I could preemptively or before I'm feeling like it's time to move on, give more of like slight yawn type, uh, building up whatever we decide is the code for that. That's yeah. inoffensive of like, all right, let's move on yeah. to the next topic in five minutes or so. Yeah, I think helpful? that we could do it even verbally and say, um, you know, I just want to get make, one final thought in here. Or, before, or okay. let's make two or three more points and then move forward. Gotcha. You know, a, a sort of two thirds of the way in kind of temperature take. Yes. For, you know, have you said all the things that you want to say? If you haven't, this is the time to make sure all of the most salient points have been made. Rather, you know, because I think that we should be conscious of the arc of how we're answering these questions rather than being like, here's a random solution. Here's a random solution. Here's a random solution. And next, Um, because I like to do the little bit of summary of like, okay, here's basically what we're saying. Sure. Um, And, you know, I think that's valuable. I'd like to get that summary back in there before moving on to the next topic. And I think that you present valuable points as well. And and I tend to get lost in what I'm saying and, and feel feel more connected to like, Oh my God, we really got to make sure this person we've covered all of our bases and there's absolutely no stone left unturned. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think thanks for going through that with me. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, I'd like to look back at the episodes where I've done that. If Mm. it is an imbalance of who's spending time speaking that, causes me, if you're talking more than I am, yeah. does that cause me to move on to the next subject quicker or yeah. is it related? Maybe not causal, but, yeah. um, that's something that I think from the beginning, our better episodes are the ones where we have an even balance. Yeah. And then if it shifts one way, it's usually you talking more than me mm-hmm. and, um, and louder. And needing to <laughs> louder, move on back. <laughs> yeah. That's, <laughs> I think an independent issue. But, but um, related. <laughs> I just have more years of experience with microphone technique is what I chalk that up to. And a less expressive yeah. laugh and just yeah. a less, yeah. Yeah, a more monotone voice, less dynamics. It's interesting. It's a good vocal yeah. technique to have that dynamism in your voice. Um, but <laughs> Thanks for phrasing be, it that way. It is. No, I mean, it's Neil deGrasse Tyson is the king of this. <laughs> He'll draw you in with something very small, and then he'll make it huge. Wow! Yeah, that was. Even, yeah. I'm, I'm even like, whoa. Yeah, yeah, he's great at it. Um, yeah, I, I don't do that. Okay, uh, I'd like to do that more. Yeah, um, I really want to think about more of like the music, the overall musicality, and yeah. like the symphony that is this podcast. Mm-hmm. Versus like, here's a song that just goes like this, na 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 na, right? And being like, na 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 na, plink plink, plink plink. plink. 
I've uh, I've tried to read the questions more expressively. Yeah, I like that. You, you know, I like that. Get a lot. into like yeah. the person's head state, and sometimes yeah. I'm going a little bit mockingly, like <laughs> making a making them a bit cartoonish. I think we like it. <laughs> I, don't I think mind. we all like being mind. a little bit rubbing elbows. Yeah, they know I'm teasing them lovingly if they're longtime listeners, which they all are. <laughs> 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 they know yeah. that I care about them, and I'm just like picking on typos or awkward wording. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, because yeah. they're one of the gang. Yeah. We're all friends. Yeah, we are. Um, cool. And I, I love doing this, as you know, you know, the here and now analysis of like, how are we doing? Is yeah. this going well? Because I think that it's important to model that like checking in with yourself, which we talk about all the time, like check in with yourself, talk about your boundaries, talk mm-hmm. about how you feel, have those discussions. Um, because that's what leads to everybody getting their needs met. You know, to some extent, there's always some compromise um, and everyone feeling like, on the same page and connected. And and that's the foundation of what makes Rob and my friendship so fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, Trust is a function of your uh, ability to receive and give negative feedback to that person and know that they'll accept it and that it won't ruin you. Yeah. Yeah. That it's, it's not going to destroy everything because one of you had a criticism of the other. If you don't have that, then you have a person that you think is very nice and they think you're very nice and you're both worried that neither of you is being <laughs> honest because anytime you're close enough with a person for a long time, there's going to be some dispute, disagreement yeah. or criticism that one of you has the other. And I think that, yeah, intimacy builds from like the ability to express that in in as least, uh, as, as little aggressive way as possible. Yeah. In yeah. a way of like... In a way that considers their feelings. Yeah, yeah. That's something yeah. that I could work more on, I believe. Me too. Is, me too. How to consider feelings when delivering criticism. But I know you have to overshoot it sometimes in practicing it for yes. the first time. Like yes. I used to just not criticize, avoid all conflict. Totally. And so totally. in taking my baby steps, there are going to be times that I offend people and mm-hmm. I will try to apologize to them and also forgive myself for doing that and not just yeah. revert back to always apologizing and avoiding conflict. And also sometimes you don't realize how your communication with someone may have come across until later once you've reflected Mm -hmm. on it. And so like the birthday question, it's like, that's great that that occurred to you and you want to express that their friendship is meaningful to you and that you accidentally missed their birthday because that's what you want on your birthday anyway, just to know people are thinking about you and who doesn't want that any of the 365 days of the year. Um, Just be you take the time you need to reflect on like how you want to be. And it's never too late to take a step towards being the self that you want to be. Even when you think you've missed the boat on it because you haven't, if you're still breathing, you have not missed the boat. Mm -hmm. Um, God, I love this. Yeah, me too. What would you rate today's episode? I don't know. Maybe a seven. I was going to say seven and I think we just kicked it up to an eight. (laughs) Last little bit. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I'd give it a B. Yeah, I'd solid work, solid mm-hmm. effort, mm-hmm. guys. <laughs> nice. Um, if you want us to meander on your question, um, your call for advice, do give a us live a shout. podcast at your birthday party. Yeah, three weeks Middle-aged later. <laughs> women are doing it across the country. We have we have bookings. Come in for an hour. You invite the whole book club over. You drink some wine. You, uh-huh. you everybody writes down questions anonymously. Yeah, we answer them in your living room. It's a hoot. Yeah, it's, it's only a two hundred dollar per person appearance fee. And here's what you can do. 
unrelated to that. Um, if you're in a conversation with a friend of yours yeah. and they ask you for advice and use a lot of specific details, Bam. write that shit down, send, send it to it us, in. act like it's your question, yep. and just get involved because we want to hear from you. Mm-hmm. What do you think about the podcast? Question, and then don't even tell them about the podcast. Just regurgitate what we said back to them. Yeah. We banter and all, and they're going to be like, whoa. Good night. Good night.